Tonight, we're looking at a portion of scripture, the two sisters, sibling rivalry. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. I'm going to go ahead and read the verses before we start, and then we'll jump in and see uh, what the Lord has for us. Starting in verse 38. Now it happened as, I'll start with that slide. Now it happened as they went that they that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. And that's, amen, that's the portion we're going to look at. And I just started thinking about this, and I wrote for myself, all of us have a bad day every now and then, and we, we need to remember that one bad day doesn't necessarily need to define who we are. Today, as we look at a glimpse of Martha's life, let's remember that. This is just one bad day that Martha's having. What happened on this occasion doesn't fully reveal who Martha is or was. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for your mercies, which are brand new each and every day for all of us. And thank you, Martha, for allowing us to see this episode of your life that we might learn from it. You know, last week I was preparing for this and Two different days, two different pastors repeated the same quote from Pastor Chuck Swindoll. And so I just thought, wow, it kind of fits with what we're looking at tonight. And this is what they said. Life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. And I just thought, that is so true. What happens to us really amounts to about 10% of our life. And 90% is how we respond and react to the things going on in our lives. We must own our attitude or our attitude is going to own us. And today's verses are a great example of this principle. They're for, uh, as a warning and they're for our learning. Picking up in verse 38, it says that now that it happened as they went, that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Jesus and his disciples are traveling on their way back to Jerusalem. And along the way, it says that they entered a certain village and run into a certain woman. You know, ladies, for us as children of the Lord, there are no coincidences, only divine appointments. And I love that because the things that happen in our life, the situations that we find ourselves in, it's not a coincidence. It's not a shock to the Lord like, oh, wow, what happened? It's all a divine appointment, part of his plan for each of our lives. The village that Jesus entered is Bethany, the home of his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And the woman that he meets is Martha. It tells us that she was excited and happy to have Jesus come into their home. Things were starting off so well. She's excited. Jesus, come on over. We want to have dinner and fellowship with you. How about us? When Jesus comes to call, do we open our hearts and our home to welcome him in? Or do we find ourselves like, oh, not right now, maybe later. We find ourselves with all those excuses of why we just can't meet with the Lord. Revelation 3.20 says this. 
Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. You know, a lot of times we think about that as a scripture that we would use witnessing to people like, hey, Jesus is knocking on the door, you need to get saved, which is true. But it's also a scripture for each and every one of us because daily Jesus might be knocking on the door of our hearts with that still small voice Come away and meet with me. I want to sit and talk with you. That is Jesus' personal invitation and appointment for each of us. Have we invited him in? Do we listen and answer his call? You know, in the verse 38, it says that Mary welcomed him into her house. That word welcome, it means to receive hospitably and kindly. It's the same word that's used in Luke 19.6 when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house and it tells us that Zacchaeus received him joyfully. That kind of, that's what welcome really means, that you're joyfully saying, come on over, I want to spend time with you, I want to break bread with you. Now, does that describe my attitude and my heart? Does that describe me when Jesus comes knocking at the door of my heart? Sometimes, sadly, I have to say no. Martha had such great intentions. She was the one who invited Jesus to come for dinner. Uh Uh-oh, wait a minute, that's Jesus and his disciples. Oh no, the crowd just got bigger. What should she make? Does she have enough plates? Where is everybody gonna sit? Worries, concerns, fears, frustrations. This is how it all begins. Have you ever been there before? I have. The food, the cleaning, where can I put all this junk? I mean stuff. So much to do, not enough time. What will they think? Will they like what I made? Don't let them see this closet. What was I thinking? I'm not ready. Why did I invite them over? How quickly things spin out of control in my mind, in my heart, and in my attitude. And I lose sight of the main thing, just wanting to be with Jesus and spend time with him and he with me. Going on into verse 39, it says that Martha, it says she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So we see a few things about Martha's sister Mary here in this verse. First of all, it's her sister, and it says that she came and sat at Jesus' feet, and she heard his word. Mary made a choice in this scenario. She sat, and she heard Jesus. She took the time to sit, to settle down, to be at the feet of Jesus, her master. She grabbed the opportunity to spend some moments with her Lord. Ladies, if we want to know our Lord Jesus better, to know his heart, To experience his love and grace in a deeper way, we have to take time to be with our master, Jesus. We have to make time to sit with him, to meet with him, and to hear his word. Those opportunities are not just going to present itself like, time for devotions, yay, because life is always crowding it out. Busyness is always getting in the way. We have to make the time. Yes, Jesus knows that we Americans are the busiest people on the planet, But we, like Mary, must learn to grab any and every opportunity to spend time in his word and to hear his voice. Reading, pondering it, praying about it. Mary made her choice that day. And you know, other times where this Mary is mentioned in the scriptures, almost every one of them, it says that she is sitting at the feet of Jesus, or she's anointing the feet of Jesus, or she's washing the feet of Jesus. She's always there wanting to glean from the Lord Jesus. She chose to listen to what he said and to learn from him, and so she could obey. 
You know, that verse, it says that she heard his word. That word heard, it means obviously to hear, but it also means to give audience to. Mary wisely chose whose audience she would be in. We people spend a lot of money to be in the audience of famous music stars and comedians and political figures and motivational speakers and sporting events, leaving those events mostly with an empty wallet. But Mary chose to sit freely in the audience of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and she went away blessed, enriched with truth and grace. You know, as Peter declares in um, the Gospel of, excuse me, as I said Peter, but as it's declared in John chapter 6, verses 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. There's not a motivational speaker that you can pay to go see that can give you the words of life. Jesus alone has the words of life. One other note about verse 39 it says that she, talking about Mary, she also sat at the feet of Jesus. While that might mean that she also sat along with other people at the feet of Jesus, some commentators believe that this means besides serving and preparing, Mary also sat at the feet of Jesus. It is possible to do both, to serve as well as to sit when we are led and filled with God's Holy Spirit. Mary understood how to do that. In verse 40, it says, But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Wow, we're in meltdown, meltdown mode now. Have you ever been there? I have, sadly. It's never a pretty sight. You might be wondering, how did she get there? Well, look, the verse tells us. It says, But Martha was distracted with much serving. Distracted. The word means drawn away, diverted, our mind or attention gets diverted, disturbed, or troubled greatly in our mind. Martha's intention was to bless the Lord and to welcome him over and have him for dinner, but then flesh and sin happened. Ouch. And as well for us, though we intend to keep our hearts and our minds fixed upon our Lord Jesus, we do have an enemy, the devil, who loves to draw us away, divert our attention from, to disturb us, to trouble us. We need to beware and stay close to the Lord. The enemy is lurking out there looking for ways to cause us to stumble. Martha got distracted with much serving. She turned simple into much. She got diverted and got pulled every which way by all her elaborate preparations. Do you ever do that? I do. What am I going to make? Well, let's try this. Well, what about that? Maybe they can't have dairy. What about this? Will they like this? Oh, look at the bathroom is dirty. I need to clean this. What about that? We make things way more complicated, way too much drama than it really needs to be, losing sight of the main thing. And the result becomes sin and flesh. And for us, like Martha, it usually ends with an outburst of frustration it's, that usually follows. It's in the natural progression. This word serving here, that she was distracted with much serving, it's actually the same word that translates into the word ministry. Ouch. Yes, ladies, it, sadly, even in ministry, we can get too busy in serving the Lord. Make things so elaborate, so complicated, that we too become distracted from Jesus and his will, and we aren't hearing his voice in his heart. We're just busy about things. 
Busyness does not always equal godliness. You know, I can give you an example of that. I shared this this morning. Uh, way back when, uh, there was a year when we were at the old building, and we were having VBS for the kids. And uh, I volunteered to help with crafts. And as you know in ministry, so often when you volunteer to help, soon you're in charge of it. And that's what happened with the crafts. Now, the gal that was over the VBS as a whole, she was a school teacher. She was excited. She loved Jesus. Um, she was just over the top with everything. She was bigger than life with all that she did. She did everything to the extreme, which can be good and can be wonderful, but you got to be careful because sometimes it crossed the line. And we, the theme was something to do with camping. And so we put up tents in the parking lot and pine trees, and we painted bear paws on, you know, paw prints on the ground and this and that. And after a week of preparation, the, the VBS team, we were exhausted. In fact, I remember on the Sunday right before VBS, pastor said, did I see you sleeping during service? And I was like, oh, sorry, yes, I think that was me. And, and it got worse. So uh, like I said, I was over the crafts. And so with the help of this very energetic VBS leader, we picked out these crafts that were going to be so wonderful and colorful and using paints and markers and all kinds of things. And the craft room was kind of a room about this size. And at that time, we did all the kids together. There was 400 kids lined up in rows on this black, you know, construction paper. And we decided on this one day to do these little Japanese lantern things because they're camping, you know, a lantern. And they had paint all over them. And they're going to be just, they're going to be awesome. So 400 kids, 400 little things of paint and lanterns, and everyone crammed together in this room. And just a side note, some children should never be given a paintbrush and paint, just as a side note. <laughs> But within time, my great idea and how I thought it was going to be so wonderful, there was paint everywhere. It was in their hair, on their clothes, on the walls. Every piece of carpeting and paper was covered with paint. And the saddest part of all was these beautiful, colorful Japanese lanterns that I had in my mind envisioned. Because there was so much paint smearing and dripping and mixed up together, Everyone's looked exactly the same. It's sort of like this army ground, brown and green because the paint's all blended together. So again, just busyness does not always equal godliness. I, I think the kids had a good time. Hopefully they learned something that day. But we can get so caught up in the things that we miss the main thing, just Jesus. Now you might ask, okay, how can I know then if I'm too busy or if I'm really supposed to be doing this thing for the Lord? Is this God's work for me? Well, I read this little quote from a pastor, and I thought, that's a great little quote. It's a heart check for us. And this is what he said about this portion of scripture. Martha is busy, but not blessed. She's busy, but she's bitter. And I just thought, amen. That's the heart check for each of us tonight. Am I blessed or am I bitter? Am I bothered? Am I burdened? If I find myself in those last three words, then I need to search my heart. I need to see if maybe I've been distracted or diverted from the main thing, from the simple thing of loving God. And I need to get back to my first love. True serving involves a compassionate love to minister. A compassionate love to minister. Not guilt, not obligation, not trying to prove yourself to everybody else how spiritual you are a love to minister to God's people because you love God. If there isn't love in my heart when I try to serve God's agape love, then I need a heart check by God's Holy Spirit, and I probably need an attitude adjustment as well. 
Remember what 1 Corinthians 13 tells us. Though we can teach or prophecy or we're wise or we have amazing faith or we're a really generous donor, even a martyr for the faith, whatever we do, if we lack God's love, it, it's a waste. It'll profit us nothing. In the Old King James, the word distracted is translated was cumbered about. I really like that word, cumbered. It sounds so heavy and depressing. It, and it means heavily weighted, overwhelming, to drag all around. Doesn't that just sound dreary? Like, oh, man, what a bummer. Made me think of old English dresses. I called them King James dresses. Remember in the old days, they, there were those big, gigantic ones. They probably had a skirt underneath. And it was layers upon layers of fabric. It was kind of like wearing your living room your living room drapes as a dress. They're so heavy and hard to move around in, though it might have looked very beautiful on the outside, but it weighed down the poor girl on the inside. So too, like Martha, we have times where we lose our focus on the Lord and we allow our situations to cumber us, to become heavy, push us down, make us dreary, feel like we're dragging all these cares. We're all hindered by all our burdens, dragging around everything that concerns us. We try to put on a happy face, oh, praise the Lord, it's all good, everything's good. But inside we're dying and in time we break. Well, Jesus promises us a remedy. In Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30, it says this, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Ladies, that's the answer. Come to Jesus. Take his yoke upon you and me, and not our own, and we won't be heavy laden, we won't be burdened, we'll experience rest and peace, because that's what Jesus loves to do for us. Unfortunately, in our situation today with Martha, Martha didn't come to Jesus to find rest. She came to him in the flesh instead. Look at what it says in verse 40, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Now see the progression of sin that's going to occur when we're in the flesh here. First of all, she got distracted. By all her plans and her busyness, she lost focus of Jesus, her Lord. Now, as we see in this verse, she's disturbed, and the accusations start to fly. Lord, don't you care? Doesn't it seem unfair to you? Is it of no concern to you? She's kind of like frustrated and angry at the Lord about all this. And then she goes on to say, my sister has left me to serve alone. She's left me to do everything. She just sits there while I do all the work. She's abandoned me in the kitchen. Do you think I say those things pretty good? That's because I know how to do this. I've been here, sadly to say. And I just put, ouch. Have you ever had an outburst like that? Sad to say, I have. Or sometimes we're spiritual about it. And maybe we don't say it out loud but it's festering and brewing in our heart, and we are mad as a hornet in there. And, you know, the world tells us, well, go ahead, vent all your feelings, express your frustrations, let it out, you need to. But the Lord warns us there's a better way. Proverbs 29, 11 says this, A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. 
That's what the Lord would have us to do. When we're experiencing these feelings, it's not a time for us to spew them all out on everybody else, but we need to come and get with Jesus. Once I open the floodgates of my complaining, my anger, my frustration, it's hard to stop. It just, it's like spiritual vomit. It just keeps coming. And people usually get hurt in the process. When I'm frustrated, when I'm overwhelmed, I should pray it, not say it, especially to other people. You have to give Martha a little bit of credit here, though. At least she went to the Lord. But sadly, who knows who else was listening to this conversation or this rant as well. So first she gets distracted. Then she is disturbed. Now let's look what happens next. She starts demanding. Verse 40, therefore, tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. Tell her to get up over here and help me. Tell her to do her part. Notice in that sentence in verse 40, Martha calls Jesus Lord, but then she accuses him of not even caring. Martha calls him master, but then she tells him what to do. You know what? Sin does that to us. It fills us with pride in thinking that we're always right, and it blinds us from the truth of what of what we really are and how sinful our heart really is. It usually involves us blaming other people for anything that might have gone wrong. If I call him Lord, I need to trust him. I need to yield to him. I need to allow him to accomplish his plan for my life his way. I need to always be grateful for his love and his grace and the blessings that are in my life. On this occasion, both ladies come to Jesus, but they have completely different outcomes. Mary bows down at the feet of Jesus. She sits there and listens and learns and loves Jesus more. Martha, on the other hand, she breaks down at the feet of Jesus. She vents, she accuses, and she demands her way. Martha opened up her home, but that day she really didn't open up her heart. When I'm lacking joy or peace, when I'm disturbed and frustrated, that's a great time for me to stop Get a moment with Jesus wherever I can and be cleansed and reset before I blow and do what Martha did. (laughs) Moving on into verse 41, it says, And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you were worried and troubled about many things. The first thing I love about this verse is that, look what it says right off the bat. Jesus answered, What an awesome and amazing thing. God hears our cries for help. Even when we don't realize we're crying for help, he does hear us and he knows what's going on in our hearts. Even when we're wrong, we're complaining, we're distracted, we're discontent, we're throwing a pity party for ourselves, he hears us, he sees our situation, and he knows what we're going through and he's faithful to to listen and to answer. Jesus heard Martha's heart cry, and he showed tender mercies toward her. It's the same for me and for you. He understands our weaknesses, and he has compassion for all of our pain. Even in spite of how we are acting at times, he graciously and lovingly answers our call for help. You know, it says that he said, Martha, Martha. A couple of the commentators I read Uh, you know, said that he said it more sternly, like, Martha, Martha, you know, I don't know that he said it like that. One pastor said this, the name is spoken twice, better take double heed. You know, that means you better be listening twice. Kind of like when you were a little kid and your mom used your full name, you knew you're in trouble, like your first, your last, and your your middle and your last, you knew, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in big trouble, mom's calling me. 
But you know, it's true, Martha had a wrong attitude, she had a wrong heart, she had a wrong approach, she had wrong accusations, she was in the wrong place, she needed to sit more and be busy less. But look at our gracious Savior's response. Martha, Martha. In one of the versions it says, my dear Martha. It's just like a loving father wanting to console his precious daughter or a mercifully kind groom comforting his, his uh, beloved bride. In Psalm 138, verse 8, it says this, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. The Lord is going to perfect that which concerns you. Whatever things are going on in your life, in my life right now, whatever I'm worried about, whatever things are distracting me, the Lord sees, he understands, he's going to work things out for good. And then I love the second part, your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. On those days when I blow it and I let my flesh get the best of me and I say wrong things or I have wrong attitudes or whatever might go wrong, his mercy is brand new every day for our taking so that we can be cleansed and forgiven and brought back to him. Do not forsake the work of your hands. God is faithful. He has begun a good work in you. He is going to be faithful to complete it. Sometimes we work ourselves into a frenzy with all our cares, all our concerns, all our issues, thinking that we've got to fix things, as if we really can. Now, we overestimate our ability to fix things, and we underestimate our Heavenly Father's ability. How I need to be reminded, God's got this. He is mighty, he's sovereign, and he's powerful. He is able. We are not. I know I am not. He will work out his plans for our lives. The more time that I spend with Jesus, the more I will be assured of his faithfulness. But the opposite is true as well. The less time I spend with Jesus, the less I am assured because I get nervous, I doubt, I wonder, I get discouraged. So again, the moral of the story is spend time with Jesus. Jesus did reply to Martha's outburst, but he responded with love and compassion. And yet he is still able to speak truth to her heart. In verse 41, remember it said what he said to her, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. Jesus gently let Martha know the truth. You're worried, you're anxious, you're fussing far too much over things, over details. First Peter 5, 7 tells this, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Whatever's going on, again, in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds today, God cares about it, and he wants us to cast it upon him. He wants us to bring it to him and not to try to carry it ourselves. When we try to carry it ourselves, we're just going to be laden down and weighed down with everything that we can't fix anyways. Do we believe this? We can trust God. He is faithful. Jesus also let Martha know that she was troubled. She was upset. She was bothered. She was getting herself all worked up over nothing. Do any of these words describe me today? Sometimes, sadly, they do. Then Jesus is trying to speak to my heart as well. You're troubled, you're upset, you're bothered, you're getting yourself all worked up. You need to change. Psalm 55, verse 22 says this, Give your burdens to the Lord, and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Again, that is Jesus' message to us tonight. Give your burdens to the Lord. Whatever it is you're carrying, whatever thing is going on in your life, 
Give it to the Lord. He will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. God, our Father, wants to take care of us. He loves to carry our burdens for us when we are ready and willing to surrender them and humbly sit before him. There is an enemy out there who loves nothing more than to distract us from spending time with the Savior. When we get away from Jesus, we're vulnerable to the enemy's lies and his deception. We need the Lord's protection to keep us from slipping and falling into the devil's traps. If we take the time to listen to the Lord, he will tell us about the one thing that is needed, a deeper relationship with him, and a heart devoted to him. Moving on into verse 42. It says, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. The one thing that is needed is to be one with Jesus. That is all that is needed. Be one with Jesus, that's all we need. To be near him, abide in him, hear his heart, obey his word, be content in his love, be cleansed by his blood. Few things are needed. In fact, indeed, it says only one. A heart surrendered to God, that's all that is truly necessary. Time with my Savior is the one thing worth being uh, concerned about. Abiding in Jesus through his word and in prayer is the, really the only essential thing that we need in life. Pastor John Corson said this, What we do with Christ is infinitely more important than what we do for him. Yes, we are ambassadors for him. Yes, we are a testimony to the world for him, but the greatest call and this highest privilege is to be a lover of him. Isn't that true? God is not so concerned so much with what we do for him. Not that we're not supposed to do anything, but that's not what most is most important to him. What's most important to him is that we spend time with him. We get to know him, understand and realize just how deeply he loves us. Tonight in our lesson, we're going to discuss the scripture in Matthew 6.33, but it tells us this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. When we put God first, he is going to help everything else to fall into its proper place. We need to believe that. Sometimes I say that, but I don't live like I believe that. Put God first. Put him to the test and see. Put God first and see that everything else will fall into place. Mary understood that truth. That's why she chose the good part, which it couldn't be taken away from her. Psalm 27 verse 4 says this, One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This is what Mary understood. Her one thing was to desire to seek the Lord, the desire to hear what the Lord had to say, the desire to know the Lord better, that she would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of her life. And that doesn't mean you have to be in the physical building of the church every day. It means you need to dwell with him. You need to abide with him. You need to be in his word so his word can be in you all the days of your life. The more you get this in you, the less of the world can be in me. To behold the beauty of the Lord. Sometimes just to sit and ponder about how wonderful and beautiful and kind the Lord is to us. And to inquire in his temple. To seek him. To seek his word and his will for our lives. 
Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus. She discovered what really mattered, that which was truly for her advantage eternally. You know, as I read through the various versions about the, in this verse, it said it like this. One verse said, Mary chose that good part. Another verse said, that which is better. And another verse said, the best part. I like that. That's what Mary chose when she devoted her heart to Jesus, eager to hear his word. She chose the good, the better, and the best. And so too for you and for I. When we make time for Jesus, when we dedicate time and energy and effort to seek him and to hear from him, we get the good, the better, we get the best because we have Jesus. And nobody can take that away from you. Nothing in this world can take that away. Now, poor Martha, she started well. She sincerely wanted to bless the Lord by inviting him over. But like us, somehow she forgot or just got too busy and neglected the most important thing, spending time with her Lord, spending her time with Jesus. How often do I neglect that my time with the Lord because of my busyness? I find that happens in my life all the time. I allow things to creep in and take the place. You know, you think, oh, I should be doing my devotions, but this happens and this is going on and I've got to finish this. And yet when I neglect it, I'm the one that gets robbed of joy and blessings. Remember, though, one bad day doesn't define who we are. Jesus forgives and he forgets. That was true for, and that was true for Martha as well. In John chapter 12, we see another example, an episode of Martha's life, where we're told that Jesus came to Bethany again. And lo and behold, he gets invited to, to Martha and Mary and Lazarus' house. And it says that they made him a supper. And Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. And I love that because Martha served, but we don't see any stress going on, no striving. We don't see any sibling jealousy. How come Lazarus gets to sit and I got to do all this work? We don't see any outburst of anger. Just a devoted daughter, willing and happy to serve for king. That's the kind of heart and attitude we get when we spend time with our Lord Jesus. You know, it wasn't good enough just to be together in the same house with Jesus. Martha needed to stop the other things that were too busy and taking her attention away so she could be ready and eager to listen and hear and learn from his word. It's the same for me and for you. Now, while going to church and reading my Bible every day is highly recommended, that doesn't guarantee my spiritual growth and my relationship with the Lord. It doesn't. If I'm going through the motions, trying to look spiritual for other people, meeting a quota or obligation, got to read a chapter a day, it's not going to change me. It's not going to do anything for my heart. I may be in the same house, but if I'm too busy and distracted to really sit at Jesus' feet and hear his heart, then I'm not going to change. We were involved, my husband and I were involved in a Calvary Chapel many years ago that became very, very legalistic. And uh, the pastor did seven different Bible studies each week on Sunday. He did three in the morning and one at night, but he did a different message at every service. And so there became this sort of this spiritual pride thing of, well, you got to go to every service because you want to hear what the Lord's doing and you want to be right on with God. And what I found that you would think, okay, you're in the Word seven times a week. That must have been awesome. You must have been so growing in the Lord. But not so, because our hearts were wrong. It was a pride thing. It was a 
status thing, we looked around and we kind of had this haughty, condescending attitude of, oh, your church is so carnal and you guys are, you only do Sunday morning and that's it. And so our hearts were not there to really hear from Jesus. Our hearts were there to put another check mark of how spiritual, spiritual we were. So going to church and going through motions is not going to change me. But a desire in a heart like Mary that says, I want to hear from you, Jesus. I want to learn from you. That's going to change me. <clears throat> when I devote my heart to him, when I come ready to listen and eager to learn from him and from his word, Jesus is going to meet with me. He's going to speak to me in my heart. He's going to perfect those things that concern me so I can leave my little tablet on the table and, you know, the Lord's going to take care of him. I don't need to come to him in fear. And, um, oh, wait, let me show you all my problems. And you know what? Don't fret over all those times when we've done this wrong. Because I know for myself, I've done it wrong plenty of times. Instead, we need to choose this day that good and better and best part, following Jesus with all of our heart. Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14 says this. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. So, ladies, we don't have it all together. We never will. But one thing I do. Forget those things which are behind all my mistakes, even your successes, all those things are nothing, and reach forward to those things which are ahead. Press on in Jesus. Don't, don't stop going after him. Don't stop trying to meet with him. I press toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That is, that's the goal, ladies, for us to grow in the Lord, to grow in Jesus, to draw near to him. So let's make it our goal and let's make it our aim to, to choose that good part, that good, that better, that best part of sitting at the, at the feet of Jesus and growing in him. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the things that you want to speak to us tonight. Lord, we pray that we won't leave this place the same, but we would be changed. That each and every time that you knock on that little door of our hearts, and you gently, in that still small voice, invite us to meet with you. Lord, we would respond. We would answer. We would say, yes, Lord, and we would come and meet with our first love. Jesus, we thank you that you're faithful and that you're kind and that you're good. We thank you for the forgiveness that you paid for on Calvary's cross so that when those days when we're more like Martha and we are distracted and diverted and overcome with cares and concerns, that we can come to you and be cleansed and forgiven and get back up and follow you once again. Thank you for how much you love us. Thank you that you want to meet with us, Lord. And we just uh, praise you for your goodness and your graciousness in each of our lives. And we pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.